Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another juicy episode of Inspiration Point. I'm Andrew. And I'm Adam. Mm. Like and it? did you, by the way, did you hit record? I did hit record. Okay. Just want to make sure. Okay. Yeah, I did. I did. Okay. I, I, uh, I got that juicy on tape on tape. Okay. I'm, I'm like totally dating myself now, you know, <laughs> freaking eight track player or some. Are you dating yourself or are you on a date with yourself because of the steak sandwich you had? Oh, it's, it's so close to my mouth and it is, it's calling oh, me. Oh God, stop. Oh, it's calling me. <laughs> the horseradish is, mm, mm, baby. I got a little broccoli cheese soup too. Taste. How do they man. get it out of the horses? That's what I want to know. What the broccoli cheese soup? No, the horseradish. Oh, I well, y- you know how there are some things in life where it's probably where you're just better off not knowing and just appreciating oh, the end result. Right. It's one of those things. Gotcha. Yeah, that kind makes sense. Of, um, kind of like, well, I suppose that'd be the reverse of my intro last week uh, with the uh, Spidey Sense intro because uh that's something that never needed to exist and could have been discussed more um to turn it into anything other than the piece of garbage that it was right so uh (laughs) my apologies for the uh absolutely piss poor intro that i came up with last week that was unacceptable and uh none of you deserved what i did to you so I I am so anyway. How was your day? Uh, my day was good. I got to think about what I did to you all last night in our Curse of Strahd game. Uh, yeah. Um, I thanks. have no regrets. I did mention before on the show on an earlier episode that essentially what uh, players do when they sit down with the GM is ask them to make their characters suffer, mm-hmm. and we definitely had. Some good times, but we also had some suffering, which was good. Mm. How, uh, how we did need that, you, we need um, that kind of conflict. On a scale of one to ten, how would you rate your suffering? One being, eh, I didn't really uh, it, feel it. Ten being like, oh yeah, give me some more. <laughs> being, oh yeah, give me some more. Yeah. Now I really don't know how to answer that question. Thank you, uh, thank five. you sir. May I have another? Yeah, I think five. Oh, that's that's just yeah, what sorry, I was man. aiming for. Was uh, pure was m- and unadulterated mediocrity (laughs) well here's the thing right like we all care about each other as family members absolutely and it was sad to lose our favorite npc our dear our dear uh oh with a lifelong butler you know and uh who had been with us for a long time but honestly he was also kind of a talker you know and uh you know and that'll at least be quieter so that's good Uh you know, <laughs> you never know what you got till it's gone. Also, how does anyone travel in this world? I'm starting to wonder. Like, you know, it's bad enough in Skyrim. Like, how does anyone, like, deliver eggs anywhere? You know, because you just get attacked constantly. But they're but not in Barovia. I, I feel like traveling is basically impossible because of uh, the wolf population that t- seems to exist at every corner. Um, yeah, it's pretty insane. Yeah, I don't know but how uh, anyone lives ever. <laughs> the problem is that you're not native. You're not from around these parts. Oh, I see. 
I yeah. see. They're prejudiced. Quite. Or, okay. Okay. Or, or they, uh, they're, they're targeting some, someone or something. Oh, they're like controlled by an evil supernatural being. No. Whose name's on the book. I never said that at all. And that is not <laughs> true. In any way, shape, now or who's form. making who's suffering? And I will deny it up and down if you try to say otherwise. Okay, all right, all right. But uh, <laughs> I had a lot of fun last night. That was <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. Uh, yeah, it was it was good. Uh, we got some good role playing in. Uh, you really did. It was. I, I was probably a little bit of a selfish lover last night. Um, a little bit, but you earn it. A little bit. You know, sometimes you, you get into that moment and you feel like it's a really good moment. And I tried not to stretch them out too far, but it's also like you're not reading dialogue. You're mm-hmm. trying to come up with it in the moment. And you don't really have time to edit too much. So you're not as eloquent as you'd like to be. That's pretty much how I do this show. Oh, yeah. 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 We know. <laughs> Where, where, where? Oh, I thought it was but it's, uh, hiding it better. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're upbeat, man. You know, that's that's the part that really, really matters. Hey, it's upbeats and beatdowns with me, man. Yeah. No, oh, I'm really in what I, the, my favorite thing about the Curse of Strahd game right now is how much you're enjoying running Curse of Strahd. Definitely really? is my f- absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, it was really my intent. And the other people that assisted with that <laughs> to get you to, you know, get out of the comfort zone and do something that was very much not you. Mm. And you've really kind of embraced it and run with it. And, uh, you know, you're like, oh, I want to run more often. How do I get to do that? Mm. Um, and that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, so I'm glad that's going well. I'm glad, too. And I, you know, you guys deserve a whole lot of thanks for um, for for really making it happen. I mean, when this big old freaking box shows up at my house and it's got a giant freaking vampire plastered all over the front of it and a bunch of cool add-ins and stuff, I cracked this thing open and it did have novelty, which I know, you know, we both go for that. Oh, it's so fun. And, uh, also I was just simply, uh, overcome with guilt and a sense of obligation uh, because now that this thing was like in my hands, I'd feel (laughs) like a colossal jerk if I was like, hey, yeah, thanks. This is awesome. I'm going to like read this before I go to bed and uh, never do anything with it involving any of you ever. Um, You know, if I did that, I'd be a horrible person. And that's true. You would be objectively correct. And I, uh, I did think about doing that. There are times where I still yeah. think about doing that. Um, but no, I, I, I definitely am getting the Andrew is kind of showing off here sense, which is good. I mean that in a good way, because we all want to be in that kind of check out what I can do. Yeah, kind of mindset. And I think there are things that, you know, you're good at mm. and you can feel it in th- those moments. And there's really nothing better, in my opinion, than like doing something that you're good at, that you're still excited about. Right. That you are still 
trying to master. And I think that's also a key part of it. That's People very true. Sometimes get bored once they've got it down, down. But, um, you know, when we're, when we're feeling confident, but we're progressing, I think that's the, uh, it's, it's that's the real bees knees. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a happy medium. Um, I, I can't, it's hard for me to imagine being such an experienced GM where I quite literally feel like I've got nothing left to learn. And I, I know that like, if you, if you were to ask most GMs, um, you know, do you, do you think you literally know everything about how to run? They would probably say no, but I imagine that a lot of GMs out there feel like they pretty much have it down. You know, they've likely At least compared to the people they know. Right. 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 And because every, everybody, every group's got like the resident GM who everyone defers to and is kind of like the expert. Although I have heard of these like mythical unicorn groups where like everyone in the group is a GM who loves GMing and they almost fight over who gets to run because they all want to do it. And like, I, I heard about that. My initial inclination was just to call BS uh, because no, I'm sure it's possible. You know, I've been in uh, groups of, of something close to that, you know, and it's, you can curate it basically if you're, if you're willing to meet people and, and even more so to willing to say no to people. Right. Because I think that that's a big part of what it comes to. You know, I think one of the things we want to do as the GM is maybe not necessarily be around those people all the time because we want the person to kind of defer to us. Right. Most GMs that I've met um, enjoy being valued for expertise and they like to show off how much they know. That's a good point. That's a really good point. They'll have to talk about like the lore that they understand, their knowledge of the rules. The I don't context, know anyone who likes people to in show industry. how much lore they know. Oh, no, no. I Okay. I, maybe I made that <coughs> one. <coughs> you know who you are. Yeah. We, we know, we know a few of those, right? The, the lore masters, which is great. You know, that's it really, really wonderful. You know, if anything, sometimes I've I felt a little conflict with people when I feel like we're butting the GM heads, you know, and and you know, comparing philosophies to each other. Yeah, you know, that's when that's when it can get a little bit uh, tenuous. Yeah. What's nice is if this mythic group that you talk about has people with different GMing styles, so that mm. the games are different from person to person. That's true. I I've even definitely notice like um you know stylistic differences between your games and my games oh definitely and it is it is neat how many different ways there are to essentially approach doing at least what an outsider would assume is basically just the same thing because there are so many different tacks and different avenues that a gm can take in how they approach yeah. the task and, uh, you know, going back to the Strahd game, it really is. It's given me an opportunity to to try out a bunch of things, you know, especially if you've been a player almost exclusively or 
very much primarily you've especially if you've been doing it for a while you probably have at least a few things where you're like oh man it'd be really cool if my gm did this or if they tried to make this happen or i'd love to be part of this kind of game um and once you're in the gm chair especially if it's kind of new for you it gives you this opportunity to try all those things or maybe not all those things but a good amount of those things that you've been wanting to see done and it also can give you um and everyone else at your table a nice taste of those things and it uh, it can be a way to you know potentially influence future games that you'll be a part of um i know like uh i've talked about sirenscape a couple times on uh on the show and that's such a cool program and i love how the injection of all the different sounds and stuff can really help to flavor a scene and make it something really special i think that's a one big difference between our styles Mm -hmm. and uh, something i that i appreciate about both of them uh which is scenes Mm. right i feel like um i tend to live in sort of events and plot points Mm -hmm. and you tend to live more in that like that cinematic moment in that specific scene right like as like Zack snyder if you cared about any of the characters (laughs) (laughs) you know like because he's really good about like setting up that that shot right Mm -hmm. and getting the lighting just right and the composition and the sort of visual motion and there there's and it's this weird thing when you when you look at it and you go wow there should be a lot of emotion in this shot and i just don't feel anything and Mm -hmm. but that's because of everything else that was supposed to come before it correct um so i think that you you want to get into that real you know sort of deep description you like to really take your time with your wording you really like to get into like detail and explore the various senses Mm. you talk about how people are feeling yeah uh and that sort of thing whereas i tend to be okay we're gonna i'm gonna give you some of that stuff but also let's keep going yeah (laughs) let's move on right and let's let's go to the next thing and uh i know one of our players has complained complained to me a couple of times about um being too fast Mm. Um, and so i think there's it's it's kind of funny we we have that very different approach to how we hit a scene yeah i mean but it's good though you know i don't think that there's that one is superior to the other and what some might have more appeal to certain players oh sure but it's it's good that we don't you know play this run the same game right right i mean you know we're we're very different people you know as as you said um you hate people that are like you so uh dislike people like me um yeah i think <laughs> i think for me i i like to linger in the scenes mainly because well, one i just i hate feeling rushed um i like right. i like to feel like the scene was lived in and explored and that we actually got out of it everything that there was to get out of it because I don't have a freaking deadline. I don't need to end the campaign at any point. 
we can just keep this sucker going for three years if we want to. <laughs> like, you know, there's there's I can't do that. I, there, can't. I know you can't. Uh, like, because I, I have to think about like the 18 other projects in the back of my head that I want to get through. Right. Right. And <laughs> at a certain point, I'm like, okay, move on, move on, wrap it up, wrap it up. For me, <laughs> I feel like the whole goal with a tabletop RPG is to create this character that, that you can embody and that you can, that you can live in for even a short time. And I think exploring those emotions and, you know, allowing your mind enough time to embrace, like, you feel cold, you feel scared, you feel excited. Um, all these different experiences that would be naturally occurring to you if you were actually there. And that sure. helps pull you down into the scene and then you have the things like the sound effects and stuff that help round it out and then hopefully by the end of the session whether you were just in one place or you jumped to a bunch of different places you feel like you really experienced something instead of oh i made my numbers bigger or oh i checked off a list of tasks or things like that um, right. Sure. So I love that. But, you know, we've been talking about me and the Strahd game I've been running for a while and we're already 20 minutes in. But I would be remiss if I did not ask you, how are you doing? How are things? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, class is going well. I'm enjoying that. Uh, I'm enjoying the various games that uh, I'm a part of. I'm excited that we got through some big milestones in uh, my uh, Storm King's Thunder game, and we're ready for the next big uh, story portion. Yeah, I've been waiting to to do that for a while and and get that moving. Man, uh, we're you, coming to the end of another big arc in my homebrew campaign. You have an embarrassment of riches in terms of games that you are involved in nowadays. Yeah, it's true. You know, I get, I get really, um, I, I've definitely gotten more into the hobby, I would say in the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, where it was always just kind of like, well, I have my, my Monday group and otherwise, you know, I, I do my life mm -hmm. normally, like, you know, and it's been good to, to try to fit it in more often and your next scratch that itch a little bit more often. I really am. I don't think I could add any more than I currently have, you know, it would be that would be starting to get to be too much. Yeah. There's definitely a, uh, a tipping point where it's like, okay, you gotta, mm -hmm. you gotta balance all the, all the real you life gotta give stuff. Your brain arrest. You, you know, really like do. creative work is a lot to do and, and it can really take a lot out of you. It is. And um, it can, especially if you end up having a session that isn't so good, you know, I uh, think as, as, you know, having that insecure art brain, you know, it can sometimes yeah. get to you for a while. And then you need, you're, you're just trying to last until your next big win. Yeah. You know, and then when you get that, then it's, it's kind of refueling and you can, you can get back in. Yeah. It's uh, when you get hit with that kind of demotivating um, hiccup, it can, it can be a little rough and take some time to, to get through. Um, but I, you know, my, uh, I, uh, I see a therapist from 
time to time just to make sure my brain is still running on all cylinders. And he said something interesting to me um, that so far has, has held true that I had never heard before. But basically, in theory, everything out there that could make you upset that you could get angry about is an opinion and everything else is a fact. Folks don't really get upset about facts. It's just how things are. People might get upset about um, that things are not the way they wish they were, or they, they wish that whatever the fact is, wasn't what the fact is. But um, when it comes to running games and, you know, things that might be disappointing or having a, having a bad session, I try to look at the situation and go, okay, what are, what are the facts? Did I do anything wrong? Did I do anything correctly? And if there's anything that's bothering me about the session, what are those things? And are those mm-hmm. things objective facts or are they my own opinions about what happened or whatever? And every single time they're my own opinions about how something went or how I'm viewing it instead of me just stepping back and going, looking at it and saying, okay, what happened? What didn't happen? What can I do differently in the future and move on? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's helped me a lot because otherwise, yeah, that, that kind of stuff can get you down real fast. You know, sometimes I find saying something out loud is helpful. Oh, sure. Right? Like just, just like verbalizing a thought it, just to hear yourself say something ridiculous. Sure. Sometimes very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it really is. Um, finding ways to address those difficulties is um, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's important. And, you know, I think that actually might be a really good inspiration point for, for another time, how to deal with, um, with sessions, maybe not going the way you'd hoped or how to deal with a, with a session that, so you ran a bad session. <laughs> so you had a uh, bad you know, day. Well, <laughs> I, I definitely like to talk about it, you know, and, and this, yeah, we could probably talk about this another time. I like to, um, you know, especially if I have another GM in the group who like knows their crap, like it's oh, nice yeah. to, to talk to them and say, like, just first of all, like own that you didn't have your greatest session and you just yeah. know that. Yep. Right. And just have them go. Yeah, I know. But usually what they're willing to do in that moment is, you know, set to point out what went well and mm-hmm. give you a little grace. And yeah. And that's and that's really nice. So I, I appreciate when that happens. Um, but yeah, that would be a good. Uh, that's a good idea for another topic. But, um, you know, for tonight. Yeah. But, you know, speaking of my class, mm-hmm. you know, just to kind of give you a little little background, yeah. you know, and I don't really. And this is not a you know, this is not me wanting to like call somebody out or like be like aggressive or anything. I, I get where this person's coming from. Right. You know, and I want to approach this as diplomatically as it possibly can, but this is something we've all had to deal with at some point. Mm-hmm. So I have this, I have a student and they very much enjoy class. They enjoy D and D they want to be involved in it. And this student's parent basically pulled them out of it and uh, pulled them out of everything. And mm. um, and the fa- the father's reasoning was that it was b- 
basically a waste of time that it wasn't going to uh, help them develop in any meaningful way. When you told me this, and I, had, I could tell you bristled. I had such, <laughs> well, because I mean, I, I feel like you've been there too. It made me flash back to my childhood when, yeah. when my parents just didn't get it. Because they didn't come from this kind of background. Games were not a big thing for them. They weren't even nerdy in any regard, really. And trying to get those kind of parents to understand what's so great about this or why it's valuable can be such a chore. And a lot of times it can feel like you're just beating your head against a brick wall. Yeah, and I... I think, uh, again, I want to say this, that this is not an attack on that parent. Mm. As a parent myself, I totally get like your kid brings you something that they're into. You don't find it valuable or interesting. And, you know, you want what's best for your kids. It's your call and, and your responsibility to make that. It's decision. your responsibility. Absolutely. And so look, you know, no bad blood, no ill feelings, you mm-hmm. know, but it is something that I think we've all had to deal with. So I, I can remember bringing my folks, uh, you know, I had bought some magic cards at the oh boy. game store, yep. you know, and they basically said, well, you better take them back because you're not allowed to have these. Yep. And, uh, you know, I had to kind of do my best to make an argument that, well, number one, I don't believe that these possess any magical power. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and number two, you know, this is essentially a math and pretend game. Yep. And, uh, number three, you know, yeah, I get a B every now and then it's not the worst thing that could happen. Sure. You know, I'm a pretty okay kid. Um, and I think they were like, "Uh, okay, well, we're going to accept that tenuously. You know, we're going to keep our eye on things. We'll see. And I, and I think they figured out pretty quick that, oh, my kid's a nerd. Yep. <laughs> like they just kind of got on board and it wasn't a big deal after that. And w- later on, when I brought D&D home, they were like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Well, and like it, they had kind of kind of eased up a lot by that point, especially in the uh, in the 80s and 90s. Um I think maybe even the late seventies. Well, we both had religious upbringings. Yeah, there's the whole satanic right. panic, um, and right that left a really bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And thank goodness that that is far less of a thing now. Um, though I have heard of like depending on where you live, yeah, right? that there that it's actually kind of making a little bit of like a resurgence. In some places, which I didn't hear much beyond just an initial mention of that, but like oh, good, maybe music will get better. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's it can be really, really well, frustrating. And I think there was like one or two scary stories that made a big magazine or something mm-hmm. like that, where some people had had made some foolish decisions, right? But, you know, the, it brings up the main topic tonight, which now we're half an hour in. Um, but the main topic being, why is this valuable? Yeah. You know, why is this useful? Um, what do I get out of this? What, you know, how, you know, help us sell this to parents. Right. And you came up with a pretty good list. Of, when you told of me, I was like, man, that's a 
that's a terrific idea like that that was yeah like, I, I i could hear you clacking away a you know from a state over right <laughs> just mashing the keyboard <laughs> angrily well i'll tell you <laughs> here's the here's a classic andrew list right <laughs> classic andrew list so i mean there's a few things that that come to mind but you know let's just use it you know what was the first thing that you wrote down what was the first thing i wrote down let me I, I have it. I have it here too. Go Let me for see. It. Um, okay. So number one you wrote was teamwork, which by the way, good choice for number one. Thanks. Right. Teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work as they say. It does. But it's not just a, a cliche that people say, oh my gosh, people need to learn teamwork. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an actual problem. And it's also um, an actual this, skill. I mean, how often have we seen, you know, our group, or, in, or another experienced group where cooperation isn't really happening. Oh, you know, all the time. Uh, you know, part of it is people are half paying attention or, you know, people aren't thinking about what they should do until it's their turn. You know, like there's a lot of little things, mm-hmm. but learning to recognize each other's strengths and weaknesses so that we can mm-hmm. cover and, and make up for where people are weak and also to defer to them. Uh, when they're strong yep you know can make the experience not only more effective Mm -hmm. but much more enjoyable right and i and i and as i understand mm. teamwork tends to happen at jobs (laughs) yeah go figure you know what and it seems very tangential right maybe even distant it's like okay teamwork what doesn't build teamwork it's like okay well, what good does football do? Mm-hmm. Right. What good does soccer do? Oh, well, you know, b- builds character, right? That's the, always the first thing you always hear is it builds character. Play you know, D&D, you, you should... actually build a character. How do you, <laughs> you like them apples? <laughs> there you go. It's like, well, I could say the same thing, right? Well, I there's a lot of activities we do that build character that don't result in CTE and you know brain damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing you wrote was um, socialization, which goes right along with it, right? That's Just right. the ability to get along with people, mm-hmm. to be able to uh, learn about each other, have someone else talk, and and you listen to them, yep. and especially is pretty big in a uh, in a point in time now where video games are so prevalent, and I love video games. Yeah, we both too. went to school for stuff having to do with video games like we were all yep. we're all about them but yeah video games can also be a very solitary thing um even if you're playing a multiplayer game it's usually you on a headset and someone else on a headset elsewhere not like we're doing that right now um but it's usually this sort of individual competitiveness or that sort of thing it's very rarely um we are in this together. We're trying to cooperate and help each other along. Um, it, especially with video games, there are so many examples of games that get close to doing this, but then the communities get frighteningly toxic. They do. And and part of that is because they haven't learned how to socialize, right? right? Like I, I play a lot of League of Legends. Mm-hmm. These people do not know how to socialize, right? They they know how to repeat the same 10 phrases that everyone uses Mm -hmm. um, and to apply them in the scenarios in which they go. But beyond that, they uh, 
seem incapable of right. intelligible speech as far as and I don't feel like I'm being that hyperbolic. It, it's actually just it's just terrible. Well, I mean, those those kind of crowds have have gotten a very real uh degree of infamy for how you know i guess socially brutal those environments can be like you know and granted as as you've mentioned before like if you jump in a league game you're locked in for like 45 minutes or more and you know Mm -hmm. there's a there's a serious and significant time investment and when you have any sort of significant investment of any sort uh, on the line, having yeah, it builds a lot of pressure. Yeah, having someone come in and possibly mess that up can it, it puts people on edge. Like, oh, you just wasted like an hour of my life. Thanks, thanks for that. You know, so I can I can <laughs> right. kind of get that, but at the same time, it does not foster healthy social interactions. No, and I think that right now, especially coming out, of, I want to say coming out of COVID. Who am I kidding? But <laughs> you know, we're, we're we're trying to ease some things up. That is so you optimistic. Know. Of you. <laughs> I know it's pretty optimistic, but you know, we're having club again, and we're having class in person again. That's so cool. You know, I know that not only as a skill, but I know that just in terms of desire, that students are starving. They're absolutely. Mm-hmm famished for social interaction they need it they need each other they need uh positive adults in their lives yeah that are going to um help them build up these schools and safe and um and educational environments that are going to help them because mm-hmm. we're we're listen we're just not solitary creatures nope. it's not who we are and we're not happy when we're that shut off and maybe we had no choice in in this case but we need to get it where we can. And I think that that's huge. I, I re- really just can't understate how important yeah. socialization is to people. Well, and I think even people that struggle with it, maybe especially for people that struggle. Exactly. With it. I mean, you know, nerds and nerd culture, you know, the trope is always, you know, that person who is alone at their computer in the dark with the blue glow of the monitor on their face who's just locked into the screen, not going out, not doing anything. You just, you guys see how I, you see what I mean when I described how Andrew likes to set the scene and create the mood. Yeah. Right? You know, they're really painting that picture for there you. There you go. You feel like you're right in the room with them. You feel like you're right there, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but yeah, it is, a, it is definitely a thing that there is a, you know, a stereotype out there. That exists, but let me tell you, you know, a lot of the people that are kind of geeky, mm-hmm. maybe a little awkward, they needed to, you know, a lot of them, a lot of them are so excited to tell you about their adventures. They're so excited to tell you about their character. They're excited to tell you about their world. Mm-hmm. They have a lot that they want to express and share and they want someone to listen to them. And, uh, and they should have you know, an avenue have, for that. And then we have an avenue for that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number three that you wrote down was math. Uh, <laughs> we have to quantify all of this in some way. Um, most games do not teach you very complex math. Uh, they need to be fast calculations that mm-hmm. happen uh, that are, you know, manageable in a human mind. Um, and that usually means addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. And that's about it. 
Um, mm. There could be things like measuring and spatial relationships. A little bit of algebra, um, maybe. Maybe a tiny bit. You know, it's very simple, but I think the important thing is the practice and the frequent use. Yes. Being able to call numbers to mind quickly and just sort of work that muscle. You get comfortable a little bit, with like, numbers. You do. You get a little bit more comfortable. And I still mess up. Like, oh, sure. When people want to add a couple of damage rolls together, sometimes I, I don't get it quite right. Mm-hmm. It's because I need to keep building it up. You know, I get, I, but it's good for you. Mm-hmm. Right. It's good, good for your old brain. And that was one of the big arguments that I used to try to defend Magic mm-hmm. the Gathering. You know, He's got 20 health. I've got 20 health. We're trying to reduce the other person to zero health. Yep. These cards deal damage or heal damage or prevent damage. They essentially all have something to do with damage. You know, we are trading numbers until one of us dealt does 20 to the other person. That's, you know, you strip everything away. That's what this game is. It's also a lot less scary than some vague descriptions of culty activity going on in your basement where you may or may not try to contact another plane of existence. <laughs> if you go, mom and dad, uh, we're, we're going to go do some subtraction. Like no, no parents going to go. Oh God. <laughs> uh, what right. have we done? Where did we go wrong? <laughs> where did we go wrong? I know. Right. Um, yeah, that's not usually a, not as threatening. a big deal. I think that it's, you know, on the one hand, you know, especially like teenagers and other youth, you know, they like they like enjoying something that maybe their parents aren't thrilled about. Oh, sure. Uh, that's that's part of the fun. Don't they always say and like the, the quickest way to get your kid to stop doing something is it's to it, like like it. Yeah. is to start like saying how cool it is and trying to participate, though, they'll, they'll drop it like, a like bad oh, habit. Is this lame the whole time. Yep. <laughs> uh, um yeah maybe you know that that could that could perhaps happen um oh, but it is a thing where you know the ability to use math i mean this often this uh hobby often appeals to people that enjoy math mm-hmm. uh number four you wrote was problem solving and attention to detail critical thinking mm-hmm. um you know i would probably separate attention to detail from those sure but, um i think we've demonstrated that pretty well um but, you know, this idea of problem solving and critical thinking is is pretty huge. Mm-hmm. The ability to assess situations, uh, compare assets and liabilities, and ultimately to make decisions that you think are the most beneficial. And thinking um, outside the box. I mean, looking for alternative absolutely. solutions to to sometimes complex or abstract problems where, you know, maybe there isn't a clear solution and you know you're trying to you know if if the problem is a social one within the game like you know you're trying to negotiate or whatever um sometimes you aren't trying to solve something that has a cut and dried answer so it uh it can involve like some pretty deep thought um and uh the the solutions can sometimes be very unique. And that's something that, I mean, tell me where that isn't applicable in the real world. Like somebody who's great at coming up with creative solutions to challenges. I mean, what what a skill. Well, yeah. And I think that that's what 
almost every activity will at least claim to be able to build up. Sure. You know, because we all recognize critical thinking, the ability to think on our, our feet and to do so quickly mm-hmm. is, is a very important skill. Very. Um, you know, I, I love that scene in Captain America, the first Avenger where, uh, Tommy Lee Jones isn't sure that he believes in Steve Rogers, mm. you know, before his transformation. And he's giving them all the various tests to go through. And one of the tests is that they're supposed to climb a pole to retrieve a flag. And it's really difficult for everyone to do. Mm. And Steve is the last to try. And he he walks up and he sees how the uh, flagpole's put together. He pulls a pin. The pole falls down. He retrieves Yeah, the I forgot about that. That was right. so good. And, you know, I just want to say, like, when it comes to, like, situations in Dungeons and Dragons and in similar games, this is a scenario that one often encounters. Oh, yeah. You know, where there is perhaps another way to look at things. That is not and as obvious. It usually creates a lot of memorable moments. Oh, you know, we, oh, you said even my, in our game last night, you said my special words. Mm. I did say your special word, memorable moments. Oh, say it again. I love um, it. <laughs> Even in our session last night, you know, when we got attacked by those wolves while we were in our carriage, mm. you know, we were essentially trapped inside of our carriage. So we used it as a barrier. We used it as a, a place to essentially create an instant bottleneck. Mm-hmm. And even though eventually it got destroyed, it bought us some time and it was able to, you know, get us through. I was like, okay, obviously he's not going to let us do this all day, <laughs> but does it get us through you know two or three rounds sure. then okay then it's done its job hey and that's pretty good it's it is there you're not wrong for using it right so and and then you know we've had games where okay you can punch this guy but he's got 100 health you know you can deal 20 damage that's pretty good but it's going to take a while to right. knock him down but there's a pit behind him you know maybe yep. we'll use that instead I'm all about tackling the dude off the cliff. Um, And this, you know, gets into things like um, tactical strategy, right? Being able to uh, use the most out of limited resources. There's economic strategy that can be involved there as well. What is the best decision for my opportunity cost in this given moment? Opportunity cost is a great term uh, to be used in with a lot of these uh, different things on this list the um opportunity cost is a terrific thing to mention well like even the min maxer is like basically the king of the opportunity cost right that's the concept that they're trying to fully figure out like what makes one subclass good and another one trash it's usually the question of opportunity cost what do i give an action i could give up (laughs) if i had made this action with this class what do I give up? I give up these other actions from this other class. Which mm-hmm. one's more worth it? Mm-hmm. You know, and then that's how you figure it out. And that's how we realize that some classes just don't measure up compared to others in the v- majority of situations. Mm-hmm. Um, although they may thrive in very specific situations. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, another big one that we've talked about a lot on oh, this show yeah. is storytelling. Yeah. The ability to tell stories is um, basically like, I don't know if it's too much to say is like kind of the raison d'etre of human beings, right? Like our ability to, you know, interface with, with life and to Mm -hmm. examine the process of change and this sort of hyper reality 
I've been reading uh, John Truby's The Anatomy of Story. I just started it, which is a a screenwriting book. And by the way, I study screenwriting books to help me be better at D&D, right? (laughs) Nerd. (laughs) Not useless, right? Like, that's another skill I'm trying to to develop. Mm -hmm. But anyway, he talks about how story is not a, a reflection of reality, but it's like this sort of hyper curated, extreme example of life. Hmm. that focuses in on the most important aspects that have to do with the change that the character is going through Mm. the enactment of their desire. Mm. It's all about the process of a character getting what they want. And ultimately what we try to teach kids to do at school and in their vocational training is to help them get what they want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that really that's, (laughs) That's what you're doing every day. You get up, you have a task, you go, I need to complete this task. Why do I need to complete it? Because once I complete it, I will have something that I need, whether it's time or something material or money or, you know, fun or a company or fun or food, you know, whatever it is. There is some end result that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. You know, stories of all kind of all kinds inspire us. They entertain us. They teach us. Uh, they make us uh, feel emotions. The ability to tell stories goes beyond the ability to perhaps one day te- give your kid a bedtime story to help them calm down. Yeah. You know, although that is useful, mm-hmm. but there's also the ability to convey thoughts in emotions and feelings in a way that it really gets something across to somebody. Right. Yeah. So storytelling, I think alongside that might at least tangentially uh, involve communication, at least in the delivery of the storytelling or being able to kind of pare down the important elements of whatever it is you're trying to deliver. So I think I think that's at least uh, a small, valuable piece And it also goes to show I've run into certain folks who really kind of look down their nose at fiction and treat nonfiction as if it's the only sort of sort of book or like worthy approach. And yeah, this sure. You know what you were saying about uh, what the screenwriting book had to say and stuff. You know, fiction really is great at being a wonderful way to explore these elements of life that we all experience and relate to and explore them in deeper ways or maybe kind of like a caricature where certain elements are exaggerated to an extent where maybe like uh, like a microscope or magnifying glass it blows the the subject up so that it's easier to see and maybe easier to process. Definitely. And nonfiction is great for, you know, relaying factual information or reexamining uh, specific occurrences or learning about certain people. Um, but fiction allows us to creatively explore things that are maybe a bit harder for us to get at. Well, they also illustrate truths. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, 
it's the show versus the tell in in many cases. Mm-hmm. Like a good story doesn't just show you cool stuff, right? But the the cool stuff is all saying something, right? You know, like what makes us, you know, what makes us like Steve Rogers, but not really connect with, um, you know, Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, Steve illustrated certain truths, whereas Cal L didn't seem to quite nail it. Mm-hmm. You know, at least not with the directors chosen for for differing projects. Sure. So anyway, um, storytelling very important to uh. To our understanding of psychology, you know, human thought and really what, you know, one of the things they say is that stories tell us about ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, when you watch it, the hero on the screen, you're being told a story about yourself. Mm-hmm. God, that's how it was for me watching Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so much in that movie that that like any kid could identify with. Like, oh, yeah, when he's talking to Stan Lee in that uh in that little booth oh my god it just makes me cry every single time does it oh it's so it's so good like it just hits that thing in your gut where every kid wants to be exceptional every kid wants to be the hero every kid wants the superpowers or to feel like they have control or the ability to to do something great or just to know that they're special. And at least for myself growing up and having a tough time with bullies and kids that make fun of you and stuff like that. And tons of kids go through this and they shouldn't have to, but it really kind of can ingrain in you a feeling that you are not any of those things. You're not special. You're not, you know, any of that stuff. And when the boy is talking with Stan Lee, he's like, he makes a joke like uh, no returns. And Stan Lee is looking at him and the boy asks, you know, what if what if it doesn't fit? And Stan Lee looks at him and he goes, it always fits, you know, or, or something to that effect. Eventually. It always it always fits eventually. And it just. And then he points to the no refund sign. So that's what it you was. get the deep, the depth, the, the deep message that you're trying to, that he's trying to convey, yeah. but then they wrap it up in the joke, yep. which is also sort of like a meta commentary on him being, you know, a, a cutthroat businessman sure. at times. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's, um, but absolutely we feel a, a great deal of, um, you know, sort of emotional resonance. Oh, totally. Let's say. And, and, you know, let's just say this, you know, the ability to role play as a character or to write a story in a world, you know, these are art forms. Oh, yeah. And artistic expression is important to every single human being. Oh, yeah. And I mean, heck, you look at a lot of actors and a lot of directors and people in the film and TV industry who make disgusting amounts of money. A whole lot of those people grew up playing stuff like D&D or other role-playing games that taught them all these things. Right. Um, well, let's let's get through some more. Oh, yeah. Because we could literally talk about the value of storytelling the whole night, but... It's uh, not like quick, we built other our th- podcast around it or anything. I know. I know. <laughs> but another thing you wrote down was leadership skills. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to do strategy with each other and lead. You know, it's cool to be the leader sometimes. Yeah. Um, you said a love for and sometimes practical application of history, which I particularly like mm-hmm. um, really good 
fiction is usually based on at least loosely reality. Mm-hmm. You know, for in, for instance, uh, George Martin uh, writing Game of Thrones largely based on the War of the Roses, right? Um, or a Song of Ice so and Fire huge. for anyone who might want to blow us up in the comments. <laughs> and we had a whole episode about grounding design and reality. Yep. So that is really good. Uh, improvisation. There's a huge skill that you develop in, in this. It's one of the more direct applications of this hobby, yep. I'd say, is the ability to, to improv. Mm-hmm. Um, constraint and memory, remembering skills, spells, abilities, et cetera. There is a lot to learn from this. Yeah. Um, I think there's value in learning a game system mm-hmm. as you go to approach other systems in life. Yep. Um, my ability to design games and be a storyteller has helped me as a teacher to be able to develop a lesson plan that I think will be entertaining, mm-hmm. well-paced, and, um, of course, instructive. Yeah, very. You know, and there are things that I leave out that I would like to talk about because I know it's it's not right to do it yet. Sure. Um, so that's huge. Uh, number 10 that you wrote, structure and commitment. Um, the group depends on you. And you commit to it like any other team sport. Mm-hmm. You're part of the team. You're part of the team, right? And it is, you know, the name of my class, by the way, is cooperative storytelling. Like it's right there in the name right away. As, as it, know, sh- it is about, as it should be. Like that's, as it should it's be. It's a huge, huge, huge part of this. Like good luck trying to play this game alone. Good <laughs> luck. Not fun. Not fun. Number 11, taking personal ownership of activities you're involved in. That's something we've talked about a lot lately, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly with Spike. That's been a thing that he's really been trying to like verbalize and fully define like that idea of collective ownership Mm -hmm. that we all as like the storyteller and as the individual players, like trying to, to define and and get across. Cause we all contribute. We all contribute. We all contribute. You bring something to the table. 12, exercising imagination. Mm-mm. And that sounds very childlike in a way, but when you think about it, it, even for a second, you realize how much imagination is needed for anyone to, I don't know, invent something. <laughs> yeah. If, if you- <laughs> to come up with a design or an idea or an improvement. If we didn't have the ability to visualize things that do not already exist, the human race, I dare say, would not function. Well, it certainly wouldn't progress, right? right. And, I, and I think that that's also a classic thing that all parents have always had difficulty with. And again, it's you want the best possible um, outcome for your children. And so I get it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like at every stage of every invention, there's always been a parent that said, you know, that doesn't exist. That can't be possible. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist. Therefore, it will not be. I'm not sure exactly which cognitive bias that is, but I think right. it's one that we see a lot. Yeah. And I I think it also at least somewhat leans into uh, this kind of preconceived notion, although it's it has gotten better over the past couple decades, that that games are solely the province of children and that serious adults don't play games or, you know, that's right. Or, or ever watch games. Of course, like (laughs) you kids turn off that stupid video game. Anyway, back to my super bowl. Right. Exactly. So it's, you know, 
um that's that's a huge <laughs> thing that you know excuse me while i passively consume this product and lecture you while you participate in your <laughs> right totally a thing but not that i'm <laughs> not that i'm upset about anything <laughs> um but it's fine we could go on that all um <laughs> we could go uh, that's where i need therapy okay <laughs> you and me both yeah. um you wrote interest and appreciation for other cultures beside one's own mm. that also goes to sort of design in a way works aren't you know, being so able to bad. ground our our designs yeah, learn that, hey, sometimes people are different from you. Yeah. And uh, um, even just sitting around with people at your table, like getting to know their personal culture, oh, like as an individual, totally. like his, uh, <laughs> you know, you learn to you learn to get along with certain people. That's right. Um, then the last one that you wrote here, which I think is is, uh, again, almost a, a topic by itself is the external sort of game adjacent areas. Mm-hmm. Um all the other little hobbies and skills and crafts that you can bring to the gaming experience. That list is almost, there are so many couple of things that you had written were like miniature painting, character drawing, character journals, interest in mythology. You know, I've had people play bards and sit at the table with their instruments. That's so cool that they know how to play in real life. People that sing, they just, that's another one. There are people that sing, even people that don't sing that can sing at the table. Oh, like sure. this, that can also be fun. Spike did that in one of yeah. our games. I'm gonna I'm gonna call him out. He's he's saying how far I'll go from Moana. He sang the yeah. whole song. He sang the whole thing. No one knows. And- <laughs> oh, <laughs> he, I love you, Spike. He's playing into the comedy. It was, it was, it was good. terrific. Um I don't maybe he can really sing, I don't know, but he wasn't he wasn't going for it in that moment. That was but it was uh it was really fun. I remember it fondly, Spike. There's only love. I do too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um but yeah, I've seen so many kids uh well and I've done this, you know, draw pictures of their characters. I've oh, seen yeah. comic scenes reenacting the scenes that happen in the game. Uh of course this has also resulted in kids doing things like what we're doing. I mean, we're right. We're making a podcast. We had to learn how to start a podcast. We had to learn how to uh, edit sound and to uh, get on to these various platforms and use a domain. And um, yeah, I'm, you know, we're, I, I, there's so much marketing involved. There's the streaming aspect of this hobby. Like it's on and on and on. Shoot. I, I went out and uh, uh, over Christmas, I grabbed a uh, a software suite to help me with audio editing that and of course you had to learn the yeah, audio that ran me software, like a couple right? hundred dollars like this took me into a very serious line of uh, of work that like audio editing is a legitimate profession and you know this this makes me uh, think Two, that another thing that I I wish I had thought of to put on the list before it just occurred to me, I would say point number 15 is that playing these games and seeing the things that can be involved with the game, either directly or tangentially, uh, can introduce you 
to things that you might not have otherwise been exposed to that you find out that you're really good at where there might be a talent or something inside you that had you not played the game or you know run into people other people who play the game you might not have gotten introduced to the thing that might have shown you oh man i love doing this and i'm pretty good at it you know yeah, that's huge 100 percent. i mean and anything that you are good at you can essentially bring i mean totally you could you could bring strong skills in microsoft excel to this program in a right big like there's a way to do way. it like if you, yeah and and oh like that's gosh. not even a stretch not even a little bit it's not even a stretch you know you could use a, a word processing yep. uh i mean i've used photoshop tons of times yep. i've used premiere i've used uh i mean oh my gosh you there's so much if you're somebody who likes contribute uh, to this game if you're somebody who likes hands-on stuff like building things i have i mean with nord i've gone to several conventions now uh some pretty darn big ones uh like like origins out in columbus and you see tons of vendors there who got into a craft where they just like being craftsy and they make all kinds of cool, like physical things. Some people do cool stuff with leather and they'll make like journal covers or notebooks. Or I've seen people make like, like fake potions where they take glass bottles and use like translucent red, um, like resin, resin or epoxy that they'll put inside these to film like halfway up. And it looks like if you held it up, you'd almost imagine it was like maybe jello or something, but it's rock hard. Well, like prop made prop making. making and, yeah, exactly. And costuming, yep. you know, cosplay is huge. huge. Um, you know, you, you talk to people, you know, you go to your, your rent fair every year or mm -hmm. so. And, you walk around and you talk to people and say, well, man, where'd you get your costume at? Like almost every time they're like, I made yep. it. Yep. At least in part, which is crazy. Yep. Hey, by the way, you like to cook. Everyone likes to eat. Bring oh your GM some God. food. That's what this episode was all ultimately about. <laughs> and feed and me thematic cooking. There are some cookbooks that have recipes that oh, yeah. are made to reflect like medieval dishes and things. Um, that are so cool or like, or like creepy Halloween dishes or things like that. Um, here's a, here's the most obvious skill, by the way, that I think we just probably haven't even mentioned is just writing. Oh my goodness. You know, I mean, I just, I don't know. Can you write? Who would use writing on a daily basis? That's such a useless. <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> by the way, the, 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 <laughs> let me explain something about the education system right now. Your state education board cares about three skills. They care about reading, writing, and arithmetic. And it's literally that. The three R's. They test. They, they do. The three R's, as they're called. Right? Arithmetic. Reading, writing, and arithmetic. <laughs> um, oh. So, basically, that's English class, English class, math class. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, so, I, you know, I teach electives. And sometimes parents go, that seems useless. Mm. So then I was like, okay, I want to learn something more useful. So I learned social studies. Still have parents say that's useless. Yep. 
uh, because again, the state does not directly test these things. Um, <sighs> she's a wheeze. This is great. You know, you just, just fantastic. You do your best. You still can't win. But you know, writing is huge. Also the ability to role play. Let me just say kind of to wrap it all up. Yeah. yeah. You know, these are ultimately role playing games. It is so good for you to role play. It really is. I think it's great for everybody to role play. You need to wear a different hat in your life. You need to pretend to be someone else. You need to make decisions as if you were someone else. It helps you explore aspects of your own personality. And it helps you explore the boundaries of your personality. It helps you get to know the parts of yourself you would like to know less, mm -hmm. right? And to maybe not explore fully. It's fun to be a bad guy sometimes. Sure is. <laughs> and to sometimes, but you know what feels amazing? Ambushing your friends with a pack of wolves. Oh, no, that is doing something that's truly heroic. Mm, you get that memorable you know, being moment. able to to get that memorable moment where you save the child and you bring him back to his mother and they cry together oh. and it fills you with emotion. Oh, it's a wonderful moment. All the feels, man. You know, all the feels when you get hit with that feels bat. It is uh that's the good stuff, man. And uh, I think we, we help in a lot of ways, we work through things through our characters. Yeah, we really do. We really do. You, whether that just be for comedy's sake, for fun and entertainment, or to really kind of like feel something or get through something. Yeah. You know, these are, these are things that, that role playing gives us that is perhaps unique to just about any other activity. Yeah. It's, it's really, and so, you know, I, and ultimately I guess, you know, you could say that in the end it, it all comes down to love, right? The secret ingredient, <laughs> I the guess secret you could ingredient say is love. If you can give this game some love, which fr frankly is almost a skill in and of itself, mm. you know, just being able to be vulnerable and to open yourself up to, to that kind of idea is going to be much more rewarding to your ultimate experience. So anyway, I would just say to the person who says, how is this useful? You could almost say, how is it not? Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I, I think that, um, that there's one thing that ought to have been on the list that maybe partially was, but I feel like it deserves a spotlight and I think it deserves the final spotlight. Um, it's that, this game and on a larger scale, this hobby puts you it it builds friendships. I have made some of the and one of the best friends I've ever had through this game. This podcast exists because of that friendship, and I have seen countless other people who said the same thing. You meet people that are kindred spirits that are like minds, as well as people who are completely different than you. And you jive and you experience these, these amazing things, both silly and serious and epic and intimate and all it runs the gamut and mm -hmm. you share these experiences with these people and the relationships that you build with these people often last a lifetime and you cannot 
put a price on that. If you engage in this hobby and all you get out of it is a single lifelong friend, it has been infinitely more than worth it. Infinitely. Heck, I even met my wife through this. Um, there you go. In a, in a sort of tangential sense. But I think that's an excellent note to, uh, to bring it to a close. Well said. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and yeah. Well, so what did we talk about tonight? Well, we talked about how uh, <laughs> this hobby of uh, role-playing and playing role-playing games is actually useful. Yeah, it's very useful. Um, many And boy, did we. We really went for it. <laughs> we had a lot to talk about. Our list involved teamwork, socialization, math, problem-solving, attention to detail, and critical thinking, storytelling, leadership skills, a love for history, ability to improv, can strengthen memory. You learn structure and commitment and how a team can depend on you. You learn how to take personal ownership of an activity you're involved in, even if it's a group activity. You learn exercising your imagination. You develop an interest and appreciation for other cultures beside your own. You can get involved in all kinds of really cool, different side activities. You can learn amazing skills and talents that you've had inside you all along that you may not have ever explored, and you can make some of the best friends you'll ever have. Um, seems pretty good to me. I don't know about you. I'll take her or leave it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, this was this was really spectacular. Um, I know we're a bit over time, but man, how how worth it? Like, I hope you take this episode once I'm done editing it. Give it to that kid where they could go. Dad, just give this a listen. See what you think. Um, and I, you know, if there is it was extra nice at the beginning and understanding, because I was like, what if dad does listen? Uh, to that, this? That's right. That's right. <laughs> And because one thing this game does not teach you is uh, how to be a good boxer. <laughs> that, well, I was actually thinking, you know, it could get you into physical shape if you go the route of LARPing or get involved in like the SCA where you actually do physical combat. Uh, that'll get you in shape real quick if you're running around in 70 pounds of steel uh, and slamming into each other. That works up a real good sweat. Um, so there you go. It, but it, it might cut back on the arithmetic uh, memorization after a few head shots. That, right? that <laughs> some of those guys could crack you a good one. Um, <laughs> so as much as I would love to belabor our topic because it's such a good one, um, I think it's time that we sign off. So. I want to just say thank you to our all our listeners and very specifically our loyal patrons, uh, Spike, Murphy Rose, and Logan McBride. And uh, finally, if you'd like to connect with us, just head on over to inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com for more episodes as well as uh, the ability to connect with us, support us, just go there in the upper right-hand corner, or if you're using a phone, it'll just be at the top. You'll see three little bubbles that'll take you to our Facebook, Twitter, and Patreon. Easy peasy. 
So just go over to inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com and you'll find everything you need. And uh, until next time, give new things a shot. See what you can take from the game. And if you've never tried it, if you are the parent of somebody who wants to try it, if you're still curious, maybe even give it a shot yourself. Everybody who plays this game loves seeing somebody new interested in the hobby who at least wants to give it the time of day so that they at least understand what it is um, because it's very special and uh, you deserve to at least give it a look. So um, that being said, until next time, stay inspired. Bye. Bye. Bye.